Welcome to life, bringing you insight and experiences into love, relationships, and fertility with a focus on enjoying life and moving forward. On today's podcast, we have two researchers who have developed a tell tool, a way of telling your donor-conceived child their birth story. Welcome to Life, Love, Insight, Fertility Experiences. I'm here today with Dr. Patricia Hirschberger and Dr. Kirby Adler. And we're going to be speaking about telling your child that they've been donor conceived. And it's such an important topic. So I'm going to just let them introduce themselves for a minute so that we can get started on the conversation. So Patricia, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got started on this? Sure. But first, thank you so much, Lori. I'm just so excited to be here and, and reach out to parents, hopefully, who are listening in and others in this community. So my background is actually as a nurse and nurse practitioner, where in the late 90s, I was working at the infertility clinic at the University of Chicago, and I was asked to be the donor egg coordinator there. So as a nurse practitioner, I was working with parents who were really hoping to get pregnant. And I know many of you listening can relate to that, as well as then screening uh, women who were serving as egg donors and helping to coordinate this process. I actually fell in love with all of these patients at that time. And it really launched my research career because I felt there was a really a need to really help these parents with some education and counseling and actually follow parents after they leave the fertility clinics. We didn't know uh, much about what happens after they leave fertility clinics. And in all honesty, we still uh, don't. There's only been a few studies done ours that I was fortunate to lead here in the United States, and then several in Europe and and one in New Zealand. Um, So that's really how I got here today. It's really unbelievable, right? When you think about how long ago that was and how significant the research is. So thank you. Kirby, how about you? Can you give a little bit of information about yourself? Yeah. So thank you also for letting me be here and a part of this podcast. I'm very excited Um, I have been a part of the Teltool research project with Dr. Hirschberger as a student. I was actually her PhD student at the University of Illinois, Chicago, and I recently graduated. So I am continuing. um, Thank you. (laughs) So I'm continuing with this project multiple reasons. I am interested in this research area myself, and I also am a parent of a donor-conceived child. So I have both interests in that and the research side and also as a parent. So thank you. I mean, I think the field is so lucky to have the two of you in it and you both have to bring different perspectives to the table. And that also gives such perception, right? You get different perspectives and different ways of looking at things. And I find that in my work with the donor conceived community, many people struggle with how to tell their children that they've been donor conceived. I do find a difference, right? Between a heterosexual couple for a single parent versus a gay parent or a um, lesbian parent, or even I suppose today we have to start talking about transgender. So depending on where you start, either way, that conversation is still a significant charged conversation to have if you don't prepare yourself to have it. So I think much of the work that you've been working on and you've done is in helping people prepare themselves for this family building journey. Absolutely, Lori. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I just want to say, too, I think for Dr. Adlam and I, it's actually a broader focus. I mean, not only are we trying really to help parents and their children, but we're also trying to then educate clinicians, nurses, pediatricians, 
nurse practitioners, midwives. So it's kind of this two-pronged approach. Also, uh, love doing things such as this podcast because we want to also involve the larger community. The donor-conceived adults um, have been also very helpful as yeah. this research has moved along. So engaging kind of all of these individuals, we've also made some outreaches to, for example, women of color to try to get families of color also involved in this work. So it's kind of this kind of multi-pronged approach, I guess, as I'm talking, that I would say what we're actually trying to do here at the University of Illinois. That's wonderful because we do need to come together as a community, right? So the parent and the child is one piece, but society at large is another piece. And, and that feeds actually into, you know, the initiative that we're working on to change the word other on medical intake to donor and adoption so that we can begin to open up that conversation. In trying to do this, in trying to make sure that you know, you're able to break down I suppose some of the walls that have been put up or some of the emotions that are tied to this, because there's a lot of emotion tied to third-party reproduction. How do you see the tool helping or how do you see having this conversation starting? Well, I think I can speak to it actually from my own personal experience and knowing the recommendations and being a part of this amazing group of researchers having that knowledge actually gave me more confidence to start that conversation early. So my daughter is, she's 17 months now. And so one of the recommendations is to start very early, both for myself and also for her to make it a part of her, you know, a normal conversation. And I can say that even knowing all of the right things and not having really an apprehension about doing it, it still was the actual words to say, I kind of stuttered over. And so I think that even thinking that this is something that you want to talk about with your child, it is still a not normal for me knowing the right words to use, the right things to say. And so I think that this just gives people confidence to have that knowledge of this is research that has been done. And these are great either ideas on how to have the conversations maybe using books, using what kind of language is best at different ages. So I think that that, for me, is hopefully what we're helping other parents do. I think finding the words can be very challenging for people on so many different levels, and not just the recipient parent, but also the healthcare community, which is what you were saying, Patricia. So that's the beauty of this. I find that the healthcare community doesn't always ask or typically does not. So it's really a conversation that the parent or the child has to bring up. And why? Why would they have to bring that up? This who they are and part of who they are. So it's really a refocus and a reframing of society, I think, and getting people comfortable telling the story and finding their words just want to add, I also am a midwife. I've been in practice for over 10 years. One of the main things that I found in my own practice, I've never really asked that question in the women's health field. And I think that it's definitely lacking. It's one of those things that we need to integrate and make a part of, like I said, normal questions and part of healthcare. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. You know, just as, you know, the AMA and the Surgeon General, they all say, get a complete family history. You know, the better the family history, the better the medical outcomes and more cost effective. It's just, it's wonderful. But the key here is being able to communicate it and being able to tell the story. That's really the hard part. And 
what I'm kind of tuning into what you said is finding your words. I just wanted to add too that for many parents, I think there is a historical context here too, especially parents that have children that are say eight, nine, 10 years or older. Many of those parents were actually counseled. And I think um, listening to the community, unfortunately, this may still happen today. Many parents were counseled that it was the correct thing was, was to keep this information private and keep it a secret. So I think today there are a lot of parents that kind of had their children and their children grew up kind of in that environment. And it makes it, I think, more challenging for parents. So I want to say to anyone listening who may find themselves in that situation, I think we really try to understand that situation. And we really designed this tell tool to be sensitive to parents that find themselves in that situation. Maybe they were counseled not to tell or had some things going on in their family or where they were living um, and they were really afraid to tell. So we try to address some of these challenges in the tell tool. We also know that parents, as I think you started um, early in the conversation, Lori, parents that are either a single parent or they're perhaps gay parents or lesbian couples, in those parents, it seems to be a little bit easier for them to tell, given that outward structure of the family. So we've also tried to put elements within the tell tool to really help all families. But I do want to say, having done that, the study that we currently have going is that we are still trying to engage parents because we don't feel like the tell tool is a perfect shape as it is. We would, we're really seeking parental help for parents to go in, look at the tell tool, and then give us feedback about, you know what, Patricia, I thought this was great. I thought these videos were great. I thought the language you talked about was great. But you know what? I had some trouble navigating it online. So maybe you need to change this, or maybe you should think about adding that. So I think part of our efforts, it's not like this tell tool is complete and it's perfect. We actually set it up in the research study so we could look at markers and outcomes and continue to make improvements versus something we couldn't do if we, for example, wrote a book about it, which I know a book works for many parents, and I think that's fabulous. But for parents that are looking maybe for something different or for a way to continue to help other families, the research study could be a way to really accomplish those things. I agree with you. I mean, I wrote a little children's book for a heterosexual couple that which, you know, came out of my support groups that yes. because, you know, trying to help people through their family building journey when it's third party reproduction is hard to help them. They want to help them find the words, as you were saying, Herbie. And so finding the words is not easy because you have to go through the process and you have to, I think, grieve not having the journey that you thought you were going to have. And you now also have the responsibility of telling the medical community. And then, my goodness, you know, you could scratch your head. Do you have to tell your community? Do they really need to know? Like, at what point do you say, this is my normal life family building journey? And I don't need to tell everybody about it. But those who are close to me, of course, I want them to know how the family was built. How do you get to that point? How do you kind of come to terms with that? so that it just doesn't become a normal way of life. 
I'm actually shaking my head because we hear those points, and I'm sure you do, Lori, in your counseling. We also hear that in our practices and for individuals who are in our research study. There's like a continuum of what parents feel comfortable sharing. For example, a first step may be sharing it with their four-year-old or five-year-old child. A second step may be then sharing it with the grandparents, the larger family. And then the third step may be sharing it with your child's teacher. Because oftentimes we know children may go back if they're school age and then mention this during a class. So we actually try to address this information and also where parents are on that continuum. Knowing that, I think one of the things we try hard to do, and and Dr. Adlam, I'm curious about your thoughts because I know you've been instrumental. We really try hard to make it a no judgment place in the tell to all. We aren't here to judge parents. We are really trying to help parents. I mean, you said it perfectly. I think it's really there to support parents where they are in the journey of telling, whether they're still thinking about at what point, however old the child is. And I think giving different examples, different tools and techniques and being a real support for that journey for wherever they're at. I do want to share a story with you, which I may have shared with you before, Patricia. You know, I love this story. This parent told their child that they were born through donor conception and they were just getting old enough to recognize what the story was. And so the next day, show and tell, the teacher said, does anybody have anything for show and tell? The child raises their hand and they get up and they say they were born through, don- with you know, a donor egg. And they were so excited. And I give such credit to probably that teacher and that parent, right? Because yes. they were comfort in telling that story. And then I was, somebody was telling me that they were a surrogate mom and they went to the child's fourth birthday. And so the, she walked in and the child ran over to her and he said to everybody, this is my Surrey mom. And he just assumed everybody had three moms, you know? So I think a lot of it is in the delivery, but a lot of it also is in that journey that the parents have to take to get there for that delivery. I'm curious to hear Dr. Adlam's take on this as well, but I do feel that it's really important. What we're trying to do is really help parents when they're on that telling journey, even as Kirby mentioned, even if they're just thinking about it, like maybe should I tell, shouldn't I tell, how should I tell? You're at that starting point. We're here for you. If you're along the continuum, we're also here for you as well. But getting back to your question, Lori, about why should parents tell I think in today's world, I know I mentioned I started this back in the 1990s. In today's world, with the advances we have in genetics and um, the advances with online technology over the last 20 years, we know that individuals as an adult can go to 23andMe or Ancestry.com, which aren't bad places, but they can go to those sites, they can order a buccal swab. They can uh, swab the inside of their mouth, send it back in, and then they can find out that the people that they thought were their parents, in fact, weren't their parents. And we really didn't have that in the late 1990s when I started. And that is not to mention the advances in genetics that will continue to take place. If you have a little child who's three or four, I can only imagine what you're going to see Um, throughout that child's lifetime. So I guess I really feel as a professional that this information best comes from parents. Although it can for many parents, 
be difficult. Some parents, it's very easy for them to tell. But for those parents who it's challenging, who are really trying to help, I think it comes best from the parents. And we get some of our strongest data, not only looking at the outcomes for parents that tell, we see that those parents tend to have stronger parent and child relationships, as well as the health of the child is increased because the child then knows their true genetic background. We also see parents' health is increased because we know that in some cases, parents suffer some stress and anxiety when they aren't telling. There can also be in two-parent families some marital discourse too, if one parent wants to tell and the other doesn't. So there's really many reasons for telling, but I think the primary reason is just to really maintain, if not optimize, the health of all those members in the family, as well as I believe that children born today will eventually find out. And my wish is that they find out in a loving and caring way from their own parents. For me, knowing that the best that I can do for my child is to be open and honest from the very beginning. To me, that is something that I don't want her to ever feel. I think you said, you mentioned how many people do we tell or who do we tell? I, I think this is her story. And I think that, that the more we can make that just a normal part of society, because it is, and a lot of people are using this new technology. And as Dr. Hirschberger mentioned, that the technology is going to continue to evolve and we're going to see a lot more developments in the future. And I just hope that those conversations are very much normal, that we hear more and more about that. Yeah, I think it, that it's very important because what happens is we find people in their 40s finding out for the first time, you know, speaking to somebody who was in a car accident, right, who I think you're familiar with, Patricia, right? And they were saying that her migraines were attributed to the father who raised her, who was not her biological father. And so they were treating her for migraines when in fact it wasn't a migraine, but it was some kind of form of a concussion. So we do want to tell people and then they have to go through the adjustment. And I think the later you find out in life, the more reevaluation and adjustment you have to go through. But to your point, not that long ago, families were told not to tell your children. You know, they don't need to know when in fact we all want to know everything about our heritage. And one of the things that I find, and I'm wondering, I, I'm sure that you help people with this. I know that you do actually, is that uh, parents struggle with the question of, will my child love me as much? Will they consider me the parent? Absolutely. And the data that we have really shows that children are very accepting of this. I think it's oftentimes harder for the parent to, as Kirby so so kindly mentioned as a parent, it was hard for her to kind of get those words out. Right. Um, it's typical for many parents, not all, for many parents. So in the tell tool, in our, some of our earlier research, I actually had uh, several dads when we were um, developing the tell tool who were parents of donor conceived children. And they said, you know what, Patricia, I'm so worried because when I do tell my child, I'm worried how they're going to respond you know, if they're five, if they're 10, if they're 16, because our Telto is designed for parents that have children one to 16. So we actually included information about what to kind of expect when your child is five, how they might respond. Or if your child is 10, you might get a different response. 
Or if your child is 16 and doesn't has, is not aware of their um, donor conception, um, they, you'll probably get a different response. Thinking, oh my goodness, to tell somebody yeah. who's 15 years old, it's just like, wow, right. that so, is a hard age to tell someone, right? Because yes. going on at 16. It can be done. It can be done. We actually had some parents in our prior research help us with that as, as well as in our practices. So we actually do try to include educational information about how to navigate your child's reaction, you know, based on a variety of reactions. So, because we know that is definitely a, a concern of parents. Yeah. And I would think when the child is older, you need to give them time to absorb the information. You're raising your little girl just knowing, which is a wonderful thing, because she's just going to know that this is just the way it is. And this is life. And this is her, her story. But sometimes I think when you find out later on, it's a little bit of a jolt, you know, because she's right. thinking all different kinds of things. Right. And I think that that's hopefully what this tool, this research will hopefully be able to help many people have those conversations and help to open up that dialogue for a tough conversation. Because I can imagine knowing the research that I do know and the background that I do have, and then still myself finding it difficult and having that struggle of how do I say this? How do I do it correctly? How And having the inner feeling of, am I doing it right? <laughs> right? So I just hope to be a part of this to help other people and to reach them, just like what you said, to help all those feelings and those struggles with this tool. I think that's fabulous, especially given your background. I mean, you do so much work professionally and personally. Do you think there's a wrong way to tell? No, that's a great question. And I get asked that often. And I want to give a shout out really to the donor-conceived adult community, because they have really guided what we know about how best to tell. Let's put it that way. Individuals who were donor-conceived adults have been able to inform the tell tool, me personally, but also the research about, you know what, Patricia, for example, I learned when I was 18 and perhaps my, you know, my parents may have sat down and they told me I was in shock, but I was okay with it. But then they never brought it up again. So things such as that we've learned from donor-conceived adults, and then we can add that information. For example, we know we're, we're talking about getting parents to tell, but in the tell tool, we, we say, parents, this is really an ongoing conversation. We don't want parents to just sit down with a five-year-old and say, okay, this is how you were, were conceived, end of story, and then never bring it up again. That, we know, is not helpful. So um, we really do have some information about how to kind of continue these conversations, tips that we think that might be helpful. And I also want to say, too, because there is a lot of information about we give ideas for language and when to tell and how to tell. We've got some videos to kind of demonstrate it. Within the tell tool, we actually put together kind of a little, I think one of our parents that previewed the tell tool for us uh, called it like a little cheat sheet. So we have a mechanism for parents to kind of keep track of some of this information and in a way co-create a telling plan so that once they finish the tell tool, they can save this information on their phone or on their computer or not, have that opportunity to save it and then bring it up if they need like a little information about now, what words did I want to say or what ideas 
no more express for telling my 10 year old. So we also incorporated that into this tool. That's fabulous. It's really wonderful. And I find with most people in most situations, the more we talk about something, the more we become comfortable talking about it. And so what happens is you want to leave conversations open so that it's just an ongoing conversation. It's not going to be the topic of every conversation every day. I think the first time is probably the hardest. And then it goes on and on. And you, you know that I do work with people and I try and have them start to tell the story while the child is in the womb, whether it's their womb or somebody else's. Yes, that is perfect. <laughs> because it's hard to find the words. And empowering the parents the way you are is such a gift. It, it truly is because they need that. They need that support. And the medical community needs the support too. So what a wonderful tool you're developing or you've developed. And I do hope that people will continue to join this research study because from the first moment I spoke to you about this, I, I thought it was just fabulous. I truly do. And it's there's such synergy with everything that everybody is saying that this population needs medically, physically, you know, emotionally, we need to be able to open up this conversation and not keep it kind of in the shadows. Absolutely agree, Lori. And I, and I just want to say too, that we know that for some people meeting with a counselor, such as yourself, or perhaps a trusted counselor who they know is a perfect way to go and have some of these conversations. I mentioned reading books some individuals like that. I mean, there are some other sites we know on the internet that are really fabulous. We're working with the Donor Conception uh, Network over in the UK that has some fabulous materials for parents. We just think here in the United States, we hope this tell tool will be another, especially a free resource for parents too, for parents that may think, oh, I'm not so sure if I'm ready to go to a counselor. I'm not really ready to join a group. So perhaps this would work for many parents. So that's our hope. The fact that it's free and it's accessible makes it just available. Really, all you have to do is go there and look at it. And um, sometimes that's a hard step. Just <laughs> yes. But the fact that this is out there and people are talking about it, and I would encourage people to go to the Donor Conceived Council websites and Instagram postings and donors conceived support and all these donor conceived communities and look at these beautiful people and see who they are and how they've grown up. And there's so many recipient parents today also that are starting to use their voices to try and help the situation. If somebody wants information or they want to go to the site, where would they go to find out about the tell tool or to sign up for the for the study? You know, probably the best way is to go, the study does have a website. It's called telltool.com, tell-tool.com. And um, we actually put a little three-minute video together that talks about the study, um, says what to expect because parents want to know what the time commitment is. It is all done online. It's a great little video, by the way. <laughs> you can go, thank you. You can go to that uh, website and fill out this little purple form and it goes directly to me because we know that confidentiality is huge for many parents. So that if you fill out that form, it'll go to me. I'll screen you for eligibility criteria just to make sure that you live in the United States. Right now, it's only av available here um, in the US, as well as you need to have a child that's a one to 16 years of age. And I do want to just say, because um, Laura, you brought up a great point about parents being afraid. I do want parents to know that if you enroll in the Tell Tool study, 
and you go through the program, you do not have to tell. Don't feel like you have to tell at the end of the study. That is not our purpose. Kirby and I are nurses. I'm a nurse practitioner. Kirby's a nurse midwife. We are really, I think both of us, if it's okay, Kirby, devoted our lives to really helping families. So what we really want is for parents to take a look at it. And hopefully it's helpful and will help you on that telling journey. But please, no pressure again, no judgment. If it's not helpful to you, that's also what we want to know in in ways we can change it. But I do want to let parents know there's no pressure at all. I think that's really important for people to recognize that you may not be ready to say something, but that doesn't mean you can't gather information so that when you are ready or if you decide that you are ready, you have the information at hand. And also, I think it helps you as a parent to see a different perspective and understand other information when you start to look at studies and you start to look at other information. Because we just don't know how people have been raised to think about donor conception. Although I think it's changing. I think that this next generation will change. So thank you again so much. And if somebody wants to get a hold of both of you or one of you, how would they go about doing that? They can feel free to reach out to me through my email. That's probably best at P-H-E-R-S-H at uic.edu, or they can call me at my office here at the university at 312-996-1305. I'm often in class with my students or a meeting with individuals in the research study, so please feel free to leave a message, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, we also have a social media sites as well on Facebook and Instagram, Telltool Research Lab. Um, if anyone wants to follow along, we will post updates and information there as well. Okay, well, great. Well, thank you both so much, really. It's such an important topic, and there's so much tied to it. So I so appreciate all the work you're doing and all the effort. Thank you very much, and congratulations to you, Kirby, on all these wonderful things going on. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to get a hold of me, um, please feel free to reach out to me at laurimets.net. And thank you. Thank you.